How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. Like my wife said, my name is Gino Allison. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome you all to the South Suburban Vineyard Church. Special welcome to anybody who's visiting with us for the very first time this morning. Uh, special welcome also to anybody who's listening to us through our website or through our podcast on iTunes. You also are welcome to come and worship with us on Sunday morning. I, ho- I hold in my hand here an uh, invite card to our Family and Friends Day that's coming up at the end of this month, uh, September 30th. And sometimes, you don't, I know you don't need a reason to come to church. God's goodness is uh, reason enough. But sometimes people just need a reason to come to church with you. So we're giving them a reason, and we're calling it our Friends and Family Day. There are tons of invites on the back table. We want you to grab a stack of these and invite everybody you work with, everybody on your block, all your friends and neighbors, particularly those who are interested in checking out uh, our church here. There's some information on here. There's a free lunch for them. We're just going to hang out and have a good time. So if you would just grab a couple of these, please only grab what you're going to use. Take some and invite your family and friends to Friends and Family Day that's coming up at the end of this month on September, September 30th. Well, have you ever heard or said the phrase, so don't eat that, you'll ruin your dinner? I've heard that so many times growing up. I've said that. I have two small children of my own, and it never fails. They're always running up to me trying to get uh, some sort of snack or something unhealthy right before it's time to eat, and it usually, it usually plays out this way. Joe comes up to me, my four-year-old says, Joe, Daddy, Daddy, can I have this fruit snack, or can I have this other sort of snack? And usually I say something like, no, man, you're about to eat. And he usually gives me that look like, I know I'm about to eat these fruit snacks if you just... You know, if you give me the green light. And I said, no, son, we're about to eat dinner. And I usually say my version of, no, man, you're going to spoil your dinner. My, my mother would say that all the time. And even as adults, we do this all the time. We grab some chips or some Cheetos or something right before dinner. And you get home and your wife or your husband has preferred this wonderful spread. And they say, hey, it's time to eat. Wash your hands. And you're going like, ah, that looks really good, but I'm not hungry anymore. It looks delicious, but I'm not hungry. Or words, you say something like, I guess I'll have just a little bit. I guess I just have a little bit. Or just I'll just sit in front of the TV and have a little bit of it. And the person who's prepared dinner is like, man, this is, this is pretty inconsiderate of you, knowing that I've made dinner. You've said or you've heard that phrase over and over and over. And I think the same is true in our lives with Jesus. I think the same is true in our spiritual lives. Here Jesus is. He's prepared this wonderful feast for us, who Jesus is. He's provided for us all that we need. And what do we do? We snack on all these things that he created. Not all of these things are bad things. Not all of these things are hurtful to us. But we get so used to snacking on all these other things, the snacks of life, as I call them. And you're feasting on these things. You get attached to these things. And all of a sudden, when Jesus welcomes you in, he says, hey, come spend some time with me. Hey, let's do the kingdom stuff. Hey, let's do what I created you to do. What do you say? Ah, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really hungry. I'm not really in a mood. Or worse, you say, oh, thanks, Jesus. I'll have, I'll have a little bit of that. I'll have a little bit of that. And there's nothing, nothing worse than that. In our life with Jesus, we have all these things that vie for our attention. All these things that sort of jockey for our attention. Food, technology, things like Facebook and Twitter and all the sorts of things like that. Our relationships, sex, romance, media, television, radio, music, shopping, recreation. The list goes on and on and on. And oftentimes we need to intentionally, deliberately pull away from those things all in an effort to draw closer 
to the thing or the things that's most important. And I come to tell you today, friends, that nothing is more important today than Jesus. Nothing is more important than Jesus, a vibrant relationship with him, partaking in all that he has to offer. Nothing is more important. Nothing is more worth uh, drawing away from other things more than pursuing and running toward Jesus. And there are certain seasons of life where that becomes more than just beneficial. It becomes necessary. And I think that we are entering uh, a new season in this church a new season of growth and a new season of change. And in this season, I think we need to consciously and deliberately pull away from some of the things, some of the snacks of life, and pursue Jesus. If you've been tracking with us the last couple of weeks, you know that tomorrow we start our 21-day fast. It's a corporate fast that we're embarking upon as a church. And before you run out of the door, this whole message today is geared to explaining that and just um, focusing that and helping it Uh, be more understandable to you. But we're entering a season of change and growth where God is doing some new things. God has promised us some things. We're embarking upon some things. And in seasons like this, it's always important to pull back from some of the other things, to turn down some of the other voices and listen more carefully, listen more intently, and more intentionally, that is, to the voice of Jesus. And in seasons like this, we lean uh, more uh, deliberately into what we call the spiritual disciplines. And a couple years ago, we did a whole series on the spiritual disciplines like study, silence, solitude, serving, confession, prayer, and fasting and things like this. And spiritual disciplines are designed as things, disciplines, actions, to uh, create a, a greater measure of what we call spiritual fitness. You go to the gym and you work out. You're being disciplined in the gym, you work out, you're going running, all that, all, all that um, effort is designed to, to, to produce a measure of fitness where in the spirit world we do some things we call spiritual disciplines in an effort to gain and pursue a greater degree of spiritual fitness. Because the reality is when we falter in life, when we fail and we fall down and we sin against the God that created us, it's not usually because we don't know what not to do. Or it's not usually because we simply don't know what to do, but we usually falter because we lack the discipline that it takes to get the job done. We lack the discipline to do the things that we should do and refrain from doing the things that we shouldn't do. I can hear my coach's voice, my high school football coach's voice, as clearly as, he, as, as, as when he spoke these words. He'd always yell at us and say, you guys are so undisciplined. And he, what, he, what he didn't mean was we, were, we weren't always acting up in class and stuff like that. He would often say that to us on the football field. We were overshooting our gaps. We were too zealously pursuing the quarterback when we should be containing the outside. We weren't doing the things that was our particular assignment. And Coach attributed that lack of discipline to, on the field to a lack of discipline in the weight room. We weren't studying the film. We weren't looking at the plays. We weren't doing all the other things that we needed to do to gain that discipline on the field because there's an interconnectedness to all of our life. And when we're undisciplined over here, there's a good chance that we're going to be undisciplined over here. So when I start to see the wheels uh, starting to fall off my life, when things get just a little too loose, it's usually because I've been shying away from meeting with Jesus. It's usually because I've been shying away from those spiritual disciplines, and it's usually a good indication for me to get back to the things that I used to do. Get back to those practices. Get used to, get back to meeting with God again. Get used to denying myself those things that pull me in the wrong direction. 
And this, let me just define discipline for us this morning. Discipline, just so we have the same working definition, is training expected to produce a specific character or pattern of behaviors, especially training that produces moral or mental improvement. It's a controlled behavior resulting from disciplinary training or self-control. Or self-control. And we practice the spiritual disciplines all in an effort to produce discipline in an effort to produce discipline. And I want to talk specifically this morning about the spiritual discipline of fasting, particularly as we enter this 21 days of fasting and seeking the Lord and prayer in an effort to get what he has for us and in an effort to move smoothly into this new season that he has us in as individuals and as a church. I thought it helpful. I thought it necessary for us to focus on the spiritual discipline of fasting this morning. Before I do, let me just uh, begin by a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this church. Thank you so much, Lord, for the wonderful people who have gathered here today to hear your word and to worship you. Lord, as we enter this season of fasting and focusing on you, Lord, I just ask that your spirit will fill each and every one of us, Lord. That we would have a renewed sense of dependence on you. Lord, that the things that have drawn us away, the things that have stolen our affections and our attention from you, I pray, Lord, that you would draw us back to you. Lord, as you expound uh, on the scriptures through me this morning, I pray that you would move the preacher out of the way and so that your truth and light would shine through. Lord, put power on these words that you've given me to speak. We ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So at the very top of this message today, I think it's important to just define what exactly is fasting. What is fasting? The very technical definition of fasting clearly involves food and is to abstain from all or some kinds of food or drink, especially as a religious observance. But in the Christian world, we expand that definition to mean expanding from all or some aspects of anything that we can consume. Anything that we can consume, whether it be food or media or uh, relationships or anything like that, we expand the definition of fasting to include all of those things. We broaden that in the Christian sense. And we also add to the definition of Christian fasting, we always include uh, a prayer component. I've heard it said often that if you're just uh, fasting without prayer, you've just gone on an extended diet or you've gone on a, a crash diet. And we're not, you know, I've, I, I, I'm a champion of healthy living and I think that diets are important, but that's not what this is about. This is something altogether different. So we're abstaining from things in, uh, in, in total or in part. Uh, we couple that with prayer all in an effort to move closer to Jesus. And if you search the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, you will find tons and tons of examples of heroes of our faith who have fasted and stories of their fasting. If you look at Moses, David, the prophets in the New Testament, we see Anna in the Christmas story. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Paul, we see the early church and many, many more. Now, we have things today that we can add to the list of things to fast. When we talk about just fasting food and things like that, today, as I mentioned earlier, we have a host of other things that vie for our attention. Examples like Facebook, texting, television, caffeine, fast food, sex. And as I always say, uh, you should only, if you're married, you should be fasting sex because those are the only candidates for sex right now, right? But some married couples choose to fast a sex as, a, as an effort to move closer to Jesus. So this is what fasting is. And now that we know what fasting is, the main question that many of you have, particularly those of you who haven't done this before or you're not used to this, is why fasting? Like, why is fasting important? Why is it biblical? Why is it necessary? 
And a friend of mine who pastors a church up in Minneapolis said it best, and I'm just going to steal his uh, framing of this whole thing. He says, food and other things that we might add to the list meet an emotional need for us. Food meets an emotional need for us. There's certainly a nutritional value to food, but many of us have a stronger connection to the emotional need that food meets. You know, when you bite into that scrumptious piece of chocolate cake, you're not thinking, well, this is really nourishing to my body. I'm, I can just feel this working, you know? That's not what you're thinking. You probably bite into that cake and you go, mm, mm, mm. Oh, this is this an emotional need that is met when you bite into that slice of cake. Or there's an emotional need that is met when you climb out of bed and you reach for your iPad and you got to see who's, who's tweeted something before, you know, while you were sleeping. Or who's posted some new pictures on Facebook. There's an emotional need that is met in our relationships. There's an emotional need that is met when we watch television programs, reality TV, or whatever. You fill in the blank. There is an emotional need that gets met. And when you don't eat that thing that makes you go, mmm, this is good. And when you don't entertain those things that compete for your, uh, uh, your affections. When you don't do that, those emotional needs simply do not get met. And in the absence of those things meeting your emotional needs or whatever you're trying to accomplish, the goal is to press into Jesus to fill the space that we're feeling with other things. Now, don't hear me saying that food and Facebook and all these other sorts of things are categorically wrong. Many of them are not. Some are. Some should be completely removed from your life because they don't add to you in any way. But many of the things that I've named are not bad things. So don't hear me saying that they are bad and they should be totally removed from your life. What I'm saying is that we can get too attached to things. We can get too attached to the chocolate cake or to the prime rib or whatever your, your food of choice is. We can get too attached to it and there's some physical, some very natural indications that we're growing too attached to things. Our health starts to t- deteriorate. We start to lose sight of priorities, and we start pursuing things uh, to a degree that becomes very unhelpful or unhealthy to us and others. We develop these attachments. But beyond that, when we, develop, when, we, when we starve ourselves of these things that meet emotional needs, the goal is to press in to Jesus. And the goal in Christianity as it relates to any and all of the spiritual disciplines, especially the spiritual discipline of fasting, is always to press in to Jesus. It's always to press in to Jesus. Let's not ever confuse that with anything else. The goal of everything that we do, we're not just denying ourselves and sort of trying to beat ourselves into submission. For those of us who've tried that, it never works particularly as a means of pursuing discipline and getting closer to Jesus. But for those of us who take on these spiritual disciplines, particularly fasting, and we push away some things in order to draw closer to Jesus, we find that that's the main goal. That's the main goal, and that's where Jesus meets us. The goal is always to press into Jesus. Jesus puts this plainly for us in Mark chapter 2. You can turn to Mark chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, there are Bibles on the edges of your rows. Feel free to use those Bibles. We'll also be projecting the uh, scriptures on the screens in front of you. Jesus tells this this account in Mark chapter 2. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees, we're looking at verse 18. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? 
Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. And some of you are saying, I thought you said Jesus puts it plainly there. Well, let me explain to you exactly what Jesus is saying. Some people have an issue with the fact that Jesus' disciples are not fasting. In other words, they're looking at John's disciples. John's disciples appear to be very pious. They're practicing the spiritual disciplines, especially the spiritual discipline of fasting. And somebody has a question for Jesus. You're the Messiah. You're, you're the guy that people are coming to for answers. Why is it that the guys that are following you the, the, the closest aren't doing these things that we've assigned this high spiritual value to. And Jesus answers them uh, in, in, a, in an interesting way. Jesus says, listen, if, if you're hanging out at a bridal uh, party with uh, the groom, are you going to fast with the groom or are you going to party with them? In other words, he's saying, listen, these guys have more of me than they can handle. They're hanging out with me every day. They're fellowshipping with me every day. Now, now there's going to be a time, Jesus says, when I'm going to go away. And they're going to need to fast like crazy because it's going to get rough. But right now, they're hanging out with me. They don't need to fast. But when I go away, the fasting needs to kick in. And the things that need to, ha- need to happen in order for them to stay close and connected to Jesus. How do we apply that to ourselves? We're, we're obviously living in a, in, a, in a day and age where we're filled with God's spirit. We can feel his presence in and around us. We can hear him speak to us. We can perceive his presence, but Jesus is not physically here with us today. And because he's not physically here with us today, there are all sorts of things, particularly the tangible things, particularly the things we can touch and feel and taste, And people that we can talk to that seem more urgent, that seem more pressing, that seem more important than the Savior. I'll say that again. Our struggle today is that things that we can see, touch, feel, and taste have a greater sense of urgency. They pull on us more. They they, they are more attractive to us than the Savior is because we can't see him. And especially if you're far from Jesus, you can't even feel him. You can't even hear him talking to you. And this is what Jesus is getting at when he tells this story. He says, listen, when I go away, there's going to be plenty of need for fasting because there's going to be plenty of need to always be drawing yourself back closer to me. There's always going to be a need for you to put down some of those things that you've picked up and draw closer and nearer to me. And this is the main reason that we fast. Perhaps the only reason that we fast is to draw closer to Jesus, to keep Jesus close. And some of you, even as you've been trying to figure out what you're going to fast, and some of you, even as you listen to me today, you, you have in your mind those things that are more important to you than the Savior. Things and relationships that are more important to you than your relationship with Jesus. And it's typically those things that Jesus is putting his finger on when he draws near to you and says, hey, would you, just, would you just lay that down for a season? Would you just walk away from that for a season? That, that, that food that you like to eat, that, 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 maybe that game that you like to play, that substance that you use or abuse, those things that you like to do, those activities that, that, that take my time, that, those activities that rob you of emotional energy, those snacks of life that leave you so full with those things that you don't even really want to give me the time I'm due or the consideration I'm due. This is the essence of what it means to fast. The goal, of course, 
is to draw closer to Jesus. And also when we look at through the scriptures, I don't have time to look at all the examples, but people fast for other reasons. All, all of the reasons point to getting closer to God, but the, they fast for other reasons. They need strength. They say, man, I'm weak and I just need more of Jesus. They need resources. They find themselves lacking in a significant way and they need, they need to press in closer to Jesus to get that need met. They need guidance. They got big decisions to make. So they say, man, I got to cut some things out in order to make some sense of this thing. I need to press in closer to Jesus. There's sorrow there. You see examples in the scriptures of people fasting because they've sinned. And they're they're repenting before the Lord. Say, I'm going to walk away from food. I'm going to walk away from some other things so I can press into you and show some sincere and honest repentance before the Lord. To seek mercy from God. All these sorts of things. Tell you a quick story. Um, when we first moved here uh, to plant this church, um, uh, we 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 embarked, we embarked upon a 30-day fast, like almost probably a few weeks, be, you know, before our a month or so before we launched our first public service back in November of '09. And you know, n- none of us had fasted that many days before. So I just the Lord was telling me, "Hey, you need to fast food for those 30 days." And I'd never fasted for more than five or six days at the most. But what I, what, what I can describe, if I can describe it to you, the, the, what I felt as I got into the thick of that fast. Now, the first couple of days were just kind of miserable, you know. My mind was just saying, dude, you haven't eaten. Are you, you going to eat now? Are you going to eat now? You know, I just, it's just kept ringing in my mind. But as I got deeper into it, you know, the, the, the best way I can describe it is I was described as being in this room with all these radios blaring. All of them on a different like frequency on a different channel. And just can you imagine just the noise and all the noise? And you can imagine trying to make out, make sense of any of those stations with all this sort of things going on. But as the days progress, as the days progress, as I pushed away the plate, as I pushed away from the table and I pressed into Jesus, the sensation that I can sort of describe to you was this, those radios just slowly being turned off until there's just one voice that can be uh, heard through all that noise. Does that make sense what I'm saying? That was, that's, that, was, that was my experience, and that's been my experience uh, as I fasted since, is that the noise, I get so much noise. Some of it's good noise. Some of it's my kids. Some of it's my thoughts and me processing my dreams and how we're going to run this church and what meeting are we going to have or what we're going to do with these small groups or what we're going to do with these leaders or how, do, what, what do I need to do with my wife and this, that, and the other. Some of this is necessary life stuff. But that life stuff just grows louder and louder and louder and louder and suddenly you can't hear the voice of God, which is the one voice that you need to hear. And just the busyness of life and the commotion and the motion of life, for me, is, is disabling in, in many ways. I got a lot of stuff that I need to hear God for. I got kids to raise. I got I to gotta, I gotta be a godly husband uh, to a lovely wife. I got to be a pastor and a shepherd to not just the corporate church, but to each and every one of you individually. I need to hear Jesus. And when I get to a place where I can't hear him, I can't sense him, I can't feel where he's leading me, I got to put the brakes on and say, listen, something's got to change. I got to unload some things. I got to turn off some of this noise. I got to press into a place of silence and solitude. I got to get rid of some of these snacks that I enjoy. This is why we fast, to unload, to press in to Jesus. 
Now, the Bible gives us some specifics. Once we've figured out what fasting is and why we should fast, uh, we kind of need to figure out then how we should fast. And I think the Bible gives us some do's and don'ts uh, of, of fasting. And Jesus gives us some do's and don'ts. But I just think there's a basic assumption about fasting that I just want to throw out there is that it needs to be something. You need to be giving up something that means something to you. Okay? It needs to be sacrificial. It needs to be sacrificial. You want to give up Brussels sprouts and, you know, kale for 21 days. That's probably not going to work. Or you, I'm not going to watch C-SPAN, you know, for 21 days. We're not, we're not talking about that. We're talking about something that you would wonder how you would get along without it for 21 days. So if you're a Facebook junkie or a Twitter junkie or you can't quite function without that, then the Lord may be putting his finger on that. And you consume something every single day that you can't seem to manage your day without, maybe the Lord is putting his finger on that, something that's very sacrificial. So that's between you and the Lord. So we don't try to police what people fast. Even among our leaders, we don't do that. But it has to be something sacrificial. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. Now Jesus, uh, in his Sermon on the Mount, along with instructions to his disciples on how to pray and how to be generous, he also instructs them on how to fast. Let's look at Mark chapter 6. And we'll start at verse 16. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6. Start at verse 16. And Jesus says this, And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that there is only one reward that they will ever get. Verse 17, But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. I love this passage because it's so simple, yet it covers a lot of ground. I think the first thing I notice is that Jesus doesn't say not if you fast. He says when you fast, and there's some assumptive language there that we can hang our hat on. Jesus expects us to practice this spiritual discipline. And for those of you who've never done this or don't do this regularly, that's not condemning you. It's just new information for you to put into practice and you to give some consideration to how you will move forward in the future. But Jesus says, not if, but when you fast. This is something that Christians do, that this is something that believers do to maintain a healthy connection to Jesus. But Jesus starts with giving us the don'ts, what we shouldn't do when we're fasting. And the first don't he gives us is don't make it obvious. Don't make it obvious. You, you know people, you know Christians who get a lot of, they just get a lot out of people knowing their pious works and their pious deeds, you know. They make it their business to carry the largest Bible or to, to talk in a way that they perceive that, you know, Christians would talk in a sort of way like this. And when it comes to the spiritual discipline, they want everybody to know that they're fasting, you know, they've been fasting. I've been before the Lord today, you know. I've climbed to someplace high to meet with the Lord today. I've been fasting, you know. And Jesus says, listen, don't make it obvious. Don't try to gain attention for yourself. In short, don't make this about you. You're the beneficiary of something very, something very significant, something very sacred, But make no mistake, this is not about you. This is about you drawing closer to Jesus. He's the main event here. 
Your attention needs to be focused on Jesus and not everybody's attention needs to be drawn to you. So what does that mean? Oh, you're fasting food and you're just walking around the office like this. Oh, don't even ask. I'm, I'm fasting, you know. Oh, I'm so hungry. I haven't had my caffeine today. Oh, I don't know what's going on. I've been fasting Facebook, everybody. I haven't seen any of your posts or your updates. I've been fasting, trying to get closer to the Lord. And Jesus says, listen, don't bother with that. Don't bother with that. And just reject the urge to try to judge others. Oh, what are you fasting? Oh, you're just fasting now, huh? Oh, okay. I guess that's okay for a baby Christian, you know. That's a good place to start. Again, you're making it about you. Jesus says, don't make it obvious. Don't draw attention to yourself. Don't make this about you. Because if you do, you'll squander your reward. You'll squander your reward. Here you are denying yourself of that thing you like. And since you took it upon yourself to shine the spotlight on you, you've simply let the drain out of the bathtub of blessings that the Lord was going to bless you with. That closeness with him, that connection with him, that guidance, that provision. You've just, the Lord said, you've gotten your reward. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. So don't make this about you. He concludes with the do's. Do comb your hair and wash your face. You're like, I do that already. But that's just a way of saying, listen, listen, don't make this obvious. Just go about your day. Be, Be naturally supernatural about this. Carry on your business. Go on your natural day. Do fast humbly before the Lord. We want to fast publicly before others. We've constructed ways to fix the conversation so that people can ask us. So we can say, oh, since you asked, you know. But Jesus says, do fast humbly. Do make this about Jesus. Do understand that Jesus sees your sacrifice, and it's Jesus who will pay you, or Jesus who will reward you, or Jesus who will respond to your faith and your sacrifice with blessing, with guidance, with provision, with forgiveness for sins. Jesus gives us practical ways to walk this out, and most of it involves how we walk this out in front of other people. Now, I'll I'll add this, that we often encourage people to, to share what they're fasting with someone in their, maybe in their small group or in their mini group, which is just a smaller accountability group, in an effort to, to be accountable to someone else. I often share, I'm in a uh, mini group with Terry and I'm in a mini group with David. And before, you know, midnight strikes today, I'm going to have a conversation with them and I'm going to share with them what I'm choosing to fast or what my plan is for the next 21 days so that when we meet week to week, they can say, hey, how is that going? So when they lift me up in prayer uh, from day to day, they can say, Lord, I pray my brother's strength as he walks this out. Or should they see my orange vehicle at the, over at the White Castle, they can come and quick swerve their car in front of me before I, you know, get that 20 sack, right? But the goal is to be accountable to someone else. So I, I, we encourage people to share what they're, do, what they're doing with someone else, not to be boastful, not to, you know, sort of, make this about us, but to be accountable and to be lifting uh, others up in prayer. Does that make sense? So what I want to do next, I just want to cast some vision for the next 21 days. 
And some of you are visiting with us today. Some of you are, uh, belong to other churches. And feel free to just uh, listen and feel free to, to jump into this if, if you like because I just think that this is a se- there's a season for this. And you can't go wrong with pressing into Jesus. I mean, there's no downside to that whatsoever. But I just want to cast a little vision for the next 21 days. Listen, I haven't ever accomplished anything in life that was worthwhile that didn't cost me something. In other words, I've never said that was easy after finishing something that was meaningful or something that had long-lasting benefits. So I just want to let you know that for some of you, for many of us, if not all of us, this will be very, very difficult, especially if you're selecting the right thing to give up. And some of us have purposed in our heart to let go of some things. And as you listen to this, as you hear the word sacrificial ring in your ears and ring in your hearts, you know that what you've selected isn't even close to that thing that you should be fasting. So the goal is to be sacrificial. The goal is to let Jesus inform what we should lay down. And particularly, let the circumstances of your life help dictate to you what you should leave behind and what you should fast. You're spending hours a day doing something that you shouldn't do, or you're spending hours a day doing something that's robbing time from other more important things, specifically robbing things from Jesus, you don't need the clouds to open and the tablets to come down and write that for you. That's that's pretty clear that you need to press away from those things. But but the, the, the goal is to sacrificially move away from some things to press into Jesus. Now, we want to couple these, uh, this 21 days of fasting with fervent, regular prayer. If you can, whenever you would normally be doing the thing that you're, you're, you're abstaining from, whether it's a meal or whether it's checking your updates or what, whatever, the goal is to be using that time to press into Jesus. And some of you are not morning person people, so it doesn't make sense for you to rise early and pray. You are more alert and active at night, so therefore that's the time where you spend time with God or do your devotionals and things like that. Whatever it takes, the time that you take away from what you'd normally be doing, we want to pour that in to uh, this place where we, where, we meet, where we meet with God. And we're going to provide space, as we do each and every week. We have a weekly prayer meeting that meets at 7.30 a.m. on Saturday mornings. For some of you, that's an early start to a Saturday morning, and I understand that. But we go back to what we talked about before, sacrificial, right? We're giving up something that means something to us, and I would like to see 100% participation. This is an hour-long prayer meeting. It's not long and drawn out. There's nothing weird. It's just we get together and we offer up prayer for God to move in this community, for God to move in our lives, for God to move in this church. And we lift up specific individuals each week that we want God to move on their behalf. It's as simple as that. And we meet here at 7.30 on Saturday morning. And I'm asking each and every person. I know some of you work. Some of you have school. Some of you have other obligations that don't allow you to do that. And that's fine. Nobody's twisting arms here. But for those of you who can make it, I'm urging and asking each and every person to come and participate for these three weeks. Come and participate in our Saturday morning prayer meeting because we believe that prayer moves things. Prayer changes things. I sent out an email to our leaders this past week 
sort of talking to them about getting ready to be active and participate in prayer meetings, uh, assuming that they understood that I was talking about doing the fast. I showed up for prayer meeting yesterday. Actually, I was just a few minutes late. I was very embarrassed about that. And we quadrupled our attendance at prayer meetings. All these leaders were sitting here ready to pray, and we had a fantastic time. It is so much more powerful than just two or three of us sitting in a room praying. Imagine how much more powerful it is when all of us gather. We're not going to make you say a prayer into the microphone. Just your presence here. Scripture says, when two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of it. There's power in numbers. There's power when we gather to pray. So I'm asking, I'm using every ounce of my pastoral persuasion and my pastoral authority to say, listen, we need to be here praying and lifting up the next move of God and the next season of life that God is moving us into. I'm not going to ask you now. I'm just going to ask you to bear witness in your hearts. Just say an amen for me for those of you who plan to participate. Say it silently. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. But we're talking about our prayer meetings. But we're going to end uh, near the end of this uh, 21 days of fasting. It's going to be our worship conference. And we're just going to bathe that conference in prayer. Man, we're going to be praying for it every day that people would register and people would come in and their hearts would be softened and Jesus would speak to their hearts and things would be broken off and prophetic words would be speaking that will give new life and new hope to people. We're praying for this conference and we're just going to use it as a punctuation at the end of these 21 days of fasting. So I want you, each and every uh, one of you, when you're praying each and every week, to be lifting up this conference. When we gather on our, for our prayer meetings on Saturday, we're going to lift up this conference and all the people that plan to attend it. And I hope all of you come and just have a, just a raucous time of worship uh, in Jesus' name. And just enjoy God's presence. We're also going to be ending this 21 days of uh, fasting with our first Friends and Family Day, our Family and Friends Day, or whatever we're calling it, Friends and Family Day. And we're just blanketing our social circles with these invites, inviting people to church, inviting them to come and experience what Jesus has for them. And we just want to pray over each invite that we give. Pray that each and every day that we hand out these invites and we talk to people that God is moving people's hearts. And even if they choose not to come here, our goal is for them to find the family of Jesus, to move into a family of faith so they can go to the church down the street. We're all on the same team here. But we want to see lives changed. We want to see lives change. Our goal is to be transformed and to be changed. And our goal is also to see other lives transformed and changed. Listen, the Lord has promised us a fantastic year. And we've seen wonderful things happen in the last few weeks, in the last few months. And I just want to see more. I'm not satisfied. There's a holy discontent that I have. I want to see Jesus do more. I want to see him open doors. I want to see him add to our numbers. I want to see people be saved. I want to see people be healed. And you all have a short list, if not a long list of things that you'd like Jesus to do in your life. Some of you need healing. Some of you, your finances are jacked up. Some of you, your marriage and your relationships are messed up. Some of you feel called to go other places or to move and to relocate again. And you need to hear God's voice very clearly. Well, this is the perfect time for you. This is the perfect time for you. So let me put this all together. We're fasting, we're pressing closer to Jesus, we're moving further away from those things that distract us in an effort to get closer to Jesus. We want to do so sacrificially. We want to do so in a way that promotes humility and, and doesn't shine the light on us, but rather focuses on Jesus. 
And for those of you who are with me on this, and there's a number of people that are missing today, and I'm sure they're listening to this recording, but listen, we just want to bathe this opportunity in prayer. And if you have any further questions, worship team, you can come up, by the way. If you have any further questions about this, you're unclear as to how some things work, you want a little guidance, you want to talk to me about it, listen, uh, you can call me, you can speak to me after service. I would be glad to talk to you. I want everybody that calls this place home, or at least home for now, to participate in what God wants to do among us in this fast. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. I thank you so much, Lord, that you speak to us. I thank you so much, Lord, that you always are moving us to action. You're always calling us deeper, deeper than we thought we'd go, deeper, frankly, than we, than we typically want to go. But, Lord, you're always calling us to a deeper place in you. And that deeper place in you always comes with sacrifice. It always comes, Lord, with letting go of some things. And, Lord, for those of us uh, who are skeptical, Lord, maybe even fearful, maybe even a little jittery about this fast or uncertain and have doubts, Lord, I pray that your peace will come and just fill their hearts right now. Lord, for those of us searching for what we should give up, Lord, I pray that you would put your finger on those things, that you would make it absolutely clear to us what we should sacrifice, what we should give up, for the sake of you. And Lord, I pray that you would absolutely just blow our minds as we uh, endeavor to, to sacrificially lay down some things. Lord, I pray that you would give us uh, a hundredfold, Lord, what we've given up. More than what we could ever imagine. God, would you strengthen us with your power and give us courage to do what you've called us to do. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.